All right, I want you to open your Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of John in chapter number 8. John chapter 8 is where we're going to be this morning. I want you to just hold your finger there. We'll get there in just a moment. I'm going to pray and then just lay just a little bit of some foundation, uh, and then uh, we'll move into uh, the text that God wants us to look at today. So John in chapter number 8. Uh, Let's just take a moment and pray. Could we? Father, we love you today. Again, thank you, Lord, for the reality of who you are. Thank you for your heartbeat for the world. And I do pray for the Landy family, for your hands upon them as they move in your will toward the people of Sri Lanka, that they might be a shining light there. I pray that in our service today that, that you would minister to us, that we would indeed bow the knee and that, that our hearts and lives would be in tune with you. And God, we'll thank you for all that you do. We love you. We pray your special blessings upon those who are visiting with us today. And we'll thank you for what you do in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. When all of this... Um, lockdown began because of the coronavirus. We were actually on our Wednesday night service finishing up our study in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And our plans were at that time to move right into the Paul's second letter to the Thessalonican church and um, well, deal with what he wrote to them. It's an incredible book. We're doing that now, now that we're able to reassemble on our Wednesday nights. But God moved during that time rather than continuing our study into the second letter to the Thessalonican church, uh, we felt that God would have us go into a series of lessons on the subject of prayer. And so during our Wednesday night services for those weeks that we were not apart, uh, we, we spoke on prayer and unbeknownst to us, God just continued working and it lasted the entirety of, of that quarantine Time. I, I think that if I could summarize our Wednesday night midweek service series on prayer, uh, it could be summarized in these words, ask big, ask bold, and ask believing. And I was so moved and thrilled by what Brother John shared with us this morning in Sunday school about what things happen when the church prays. And I want to tell you, it's, it, it, there's no other institution on earth like the church. And there may be some who consider it non-essential, but that's not the way it is in heaven. I want to assure you of that. It is, it is the institution that Christ uh, established in his ministry on earth. And of all things in our culture and in our world today, the thing that is the most essential is the work of God in the house of God through the Word of God. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that, and I'm thankful for our, our time we spent discussing prayer. When we began reassembling together in our Sunday morning services, we, we, uh, it just seems like God has, has kept us on track during the month of May with the subject of commitment. And we don't always do it this way, but this is how God has led us. And we've, we've talked about the importance of commitment in your life and in my life. We talked about how, uh, from the uh, uh, chapter there in Psalms, how that it's passion that gets us started, but it's commitment that keeps us going. 
and how that our reliance cannot be either on our passion or on our commitment because we're human and both of those can break down. So our reliance must be upon the Lord to stay committed, to, to keep our passion. And so the passion brings us to commitment, but our commitment brings us to the Lord, and it's, it's actually the Lord from which we get refueled and re, re-inspired, and God just moves and blesses us and gives us the grace that sustains us uh, in, in difficult times. And I think that those two subjects, prayer and commitment, are going to prove to be essential indeed as we together navigate uh, challenges and things that come our way in the remainder of 2020. And so I want us to, I want us to remember we must look to God for guidance, um, for direction as a church, as a family, and as individuals, and, and, and we must determine to stay committed to the Lord and to His church. Now, we're in John 8. And let, me just, let me just give you sort of a brief catch-up as to where we're going in John 8. As the chapter begins, Jesus is sitting down and he is teaching people who have come to know him as Savior. He's instructing them. That's how the chapter begins. But it's not long into that lesson that he's giving these new believers that he's interrupted by religionists that do not know him. In fact, they think they know more than he knows, and they drag literally into his presence a woman who has been taken in the act of adultery. They're hoping that he will apply the letter of the law and that an execution will take place. Because of that, there's a crowd that's gathered. There's a pretty good group of people that's come. They're there because the respected religious leaders of their day are confronting uh, Jesus and who doesn't seem to march according to their parameters and their guidelines and they can sense a conflict is about to take place. They see the tear-stained face of the lady. They hear the indignant cries of the crowd calling her every name in the book that they can think of and they realize that they've brought her there for judgment. And so they mob in upon that group, and, uh, and they're there. Some, uh, some are there to observe the debate over the law. Some are there in hopes of witnessing an execution. Others were just there simply out of curiosity because a big crowd's gathered, and whenever there's a big crowd, people stop and look. I'm always amazed going down 84, the traffic will back up, and your immediate thought is there's been an incredible flaming wreck that's taken place here, but it's not that at all. Um, somebody's lug nut came off of their car and is laying on the side of the road, and one person stops and watches the lug nut roll, and then for two hours, people are slowing down looking at that. You ever, you ever been outside a building and somebody look up, and everybody else looks up? There's nothing up there. They're just doing it to get the attention flowing that way. Well, some of these people, were they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know why it was going on. They just saw a crowd gather, so they're all there uh, observing and, and watching out. And, and in, the, in the middle of this 
mixture of humanity. Scribes and Pharisees, curiosity seekers, people that, excuse me, wanted to hear the debate. In the mixture of all of this humanity, there's a group of brand new believers, people that do not know uh, a great deal about their faith, but they're there to learn. And, and the lesson has been interrupted by religion and by the lady whom Jesus, by the way, shows utter grace to. And that's a beautiful story. I don't have time to go into but But, but there, there was grace rather than for that. And so Jesus now, after the interruption, after dealing with the lady, after dispersing most of these Pharisees and scribes, the crowd's still there, Jesus now turns and directs his comment and his attention to the new believers that he was initially teaching. And he says, now, you've seen all this. You've heard the scribes. You've heard the Pharisees. You've heard the doctors of the law. You've seen the crowds. You've seen the curiosity. You've seen seen the desire for execution. You've watched all of that. Now, I've got something I want to say to you, and I want you to hear it. And so, if you look with me in verse number 31, Then said Jesus, John 8, 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if, you ought to circle that, because that's a pre- that means a prerequisite is coming. The promise follows the prerequisite. And so he said to them, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Now I want you to listen to me carefully. Salvation is free. Plus nothing, minus nothing. That's salvation. It's grace. It's Wait a minute. It's not part by grace. It's all by grace. No, no. It's all by grace. You don't have to keep the Sabbath. You don't have to, you don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to live a certain way. I'm not saying that the gospel doesn't change things in your life. I'm just simply saying... That, that, that salvation is absolutely, totally free. And the moment we add one ingredient that is a requirement for us to be saved, we have distorted and perverted the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not the Christian gospel. It's free by grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, so we're, we're, we're saved by the mercy and the grace of God. Salvation is free. It doesn't cost you one thing. It costs Christ everything, but it doesn't cost you one thing to become a Christian. But discipleship is entirely different. He's not talking about being saved here. He's talking about becoming a disciple, becoming a follower, becoming a disciplined one who lives his life after the teachings of, and the principles of Jesus Christ, and he said to them, 
If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. But the people to whom he's speaking don't have much of a history with him. Okay, there's no, uh, they have faith in him, and they came to be taught, but there's no track record of walking with him. Okay, none whatsoever. They haven't been with him long. And, and this is a new uncharted territory for them. So he tells them that the key to the discipleship and the key to grasping the truth and, and, and the key uh, to uh, spiritual freedom is found in a very important word. I want you to look in the verse again. Look there. Then said Jesus unto those Jews which believed on him. Watch this. If ye, what's the next word? I want you to circle that word. I want you to circle that word in your Bible. Jesus said, this is how you become my disciple. Continue. Now, I know he's going to say, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, continue in my word. I understand that. But, but the principle of discipleship is someone who has gotten this matter down of just staying with it, of just continuing. And so he says to them, if, if, if you want to be free, if you want to have the freedom of truth, if you want to get to that place in your life where you're not under the bondage of the flesh and under the bondage of, 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 of lust and worldliness and cravings that the world... If you, want, if you want to know the truth and you want the truth to set you free, Jesus said, here's what you've got to do. You've got to stay with it. You've got to continue. And I would suggest to you that in a day and age where so many things are so faddish, they're on and off, they're up and down, they're in and out. When we live in, we live in a world that, 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 that is driven by fads, driven by emotions, I want to suggest to you that one of the key things that you and I must grasp if we're going to, if, if we're going to become the people and the persons that God wants us to be, we have to get down deep within us the idea that we must continue in our walk with the Lord. Because here's the simple other side of that coin. Just think about how simple it is. If we don't continue, it's all for naught. See, you, you, can, you can start today being a good husband or a good wife and deeply in love, and, and, but, but if you don't continue, what happens to the relationship? You, you can start a thousand different things. You can, you, you can start managing your finances and, and, and making sure all your bills are paid, but if you don't continue, you wind up right where you are. You, you, can, you can start today to take care of your health and to watch out for yourself to the best of your ability, but if you don't continue... It all comes to naught. He's, he's, he's just he's imparting to them a simple word that ought to be one of the driving words in the Christian life. When things get bad and things get good and things are up and things are down, the thing that we ought to do above all things, we ought to just simply continue doing what we know is right to do. I learned that lesson in so many of my different runs. I'm thinking about people here, Al and others, that have been on a starting line, and there's a big crowd there, maybe a Spartan race or 
or a half marathon or whatever it is, and you're there, and they're there, and man, the, the passion is there, and man, everything is good, and everybody's excited, and they've talked with their friends, and, and they train for 30 minutes, and so they're certainly ready for this, and man, they're, they got it all together, they're ready to go, got them a brand new pair of shoes, it's the first time they've ever wore it, so pray for their feet. And, and they're just excited about this, and they've got new stuff on, and they're ready. And, man, I, I was in a race in Georgia where they had a cannon, and the cannon went off. And it was just this explosion of gunpowder and smoke and boom. And, and uh, man, that's the start of the race. And, and everybody just lickety-split, taking off running and with everything they got. But, you know, the problem is simply this. Starting the race doesn't get you to the finish. Now, you have to start to finish, but if you don't continue, you'll never make it. You you can run the first quarter mile and set a record, and people can look astounded at you. Then you can wind up on the side of a ditch in oxygen debt for two days, uh, and your family doesn't know where you're at because you didn't pace yourself. The idea is simply this. It's not starting that is necessarily, it has to begin, but we have to continue. If we're ever going to finish, we have to learn to continue. Now let me say just a couple of things to you this morning as as we can apply this thought that Jesus gave to these new believers. First thing is, we must continue to endure. Now this is the part that we don't like, because the reality of the matter is, we're going to have to We're going to have to endure some things. We talked on Wednesday night about the church at Thessalonica uh, and how they suffered persecution. And persecution is something that is done to you deliberately, okay? Persecution isn't, isn't an accidental thing. Persecution is when somebody deliberately causes pain and hurt to your life. They do it on purpose. That is persecution. And, and in Thessalonica, which was a pagan community, there's this new group of believers, and, and they, they got something going on. Here's what happens. They come to Christ. They get saved. They're a part of this brand-new church that's, that's assembled there in Thessalonica, and all of a sudden, persecution comes. You know what that means? That means that they lost their jobs. That happens in many countries that we know nothing about. That means their family said to them, See that door? Get out. And do not ever put your foot in this house again. Wait a minute. And the family schedules a funeral. And they literally have a burial, a funeral, where family members gather. And then the the, the father of the family says, he's dead to me. I want nothing else to do with him. That's the miracle of the prodigal son. That's the beauty of that story is, is that it was the father that went to the son and embraced the son and welcomed him back. A sign of great grace and a sign of how our God receives us even after we failed and faltered. But, but in Thessalonica, they, they, they were rejected from their families, abused by their former friends, disowned by their family. And what happened to them when they came to know Christ, it literally turned them into social lepers as far as our community was concerned. When you became a Christian, you were a persona non grata. Nobody wanted to do, have anything to do with you. You were an outcast. 
And so they suffered persecution. Not only that, it got so bad that they suffered tribulation, the Bible said. Tribulation is the pressures and the burdens that, 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 that come in life. So, so things were just imploding, it seemed like, on them. I mean, when you get saved, you know, you're excited. You remember that? You get excited, and then you go and you tell people, I got saved. And somebody says, um, really? Well, that won't last. You meet some old crusty person that, you know, that's negative on everything. And, and they're not excited about their salvation. And, and, and that, that can so easily dissuade people and discourage them. But things were going difficult in there. Wait a minute. Maybe they thought, hey, I'm saved. Woo! It's all good. No, it's not all good. Saved people have knee replacement. Amen? That happens. Saved people get sick. Saved people have loved ones that go home to the Lord. It, 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 it Here, here's the reality. The reality of, of, of the matter is this. Listen carefully to me. Sometimes life is more tears than it is smiles. Sometimes there are moments in our life when, when there's, there, there's more pain and sorrow than there is joy and laughter. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes life just, it's not very fun. And so, Paul writes to the Thessalonican church in the second letter in the first chapter in the fourth verse, and he says to them that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations. Listen to the next phrase, that ye endure. Paul said, let me tell you why I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you because even even as a young church, you're going through persecutions and you're going through tribulations, but you're continuing. You're not, you're not quitting. You're not allowing these things to sideline you. You're not dropping out. You are enduring. Enduring means to continue through the hardship. See, God, God wants to, you know, the, the things you go through, you ought to grow through. If God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. We've talked about this in our Wednesday night services. And, and, and so I, I'm, I know I'm covering some ground probably that's a little bit more familiar because of what we've been through and the things I've talked about, but we can't forget the fact that, that, that uh, if we're going to continue for the Lord, it's not going to all be roses. It's not going to all be great. You're going to have to continue to endure. When a hard time comes, what you're going to do? You're going to quit? You're going to give up on God? Or are you going to press forward for His glory and allow Him to bring about in your life the things that He wants? I, I, I'll tell you the secret, the secret of the early church is that they continue. In spite of Nero, who held parties in his gardens that were lit by the burning, bottom, burning bodies of Christians that were dipped in a, a boiling oil and then ignited. So as you walk through the gardens, the, the, the light that illuminated it was burning Christians. What do you think that did to the church? Well, they, they continued. What about the Colosseum? I've stood in it. where the ground was stained red with the blood of 
Christian men and women who would not recant their faith and were shredded by a wild beast while a lustful crowd above them cheered for their death. What'd they do? They continued. I've walked down dark, lonely corridors of the catacombs and peered into the ledges where there still to this day are the bones of Christians <clears throat> that died. Many hiding from persecution from a government that, that hated their faith. And so what did they do? They met in forests. They met underground. They continued. Acts 1 verse 14, and These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brethren. I, I, love, what, I love what Brother John said today. And they ceased not to preach and teach. Persecution, but they didn't quit. They were hunted, but they didn't quit. They were hated, but they didn't quit. They were cursed, but they didn't quit. Listen, listen, their life was disrupted. They became outcasts, but they continued. They ceased not. So important. Acts 2.42, And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And, and when, when, when we think of what we go through and we read the life of Paul, my word, Paul in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, listen to what Paul said, verse 23. Paul said, are, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now listen, in laborers, more abundant. <clears throat> in stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings, often. In perils of waters. In perils of robbers. In perils of mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things which are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. My, what a, what a resume. Paul, could you tell us, um, uh, what, what exactly recommends you? What's your, re what, what's your resume? Well, five times... They beat me with 39 lashes. They beat me with a rod thrice. They stoned me and left me for dead. I mean, you talk about a resume. You know what that tells me? Paul continued in spite of what he had to endure. And I just want to say, I'm, by the way, I'm glad he did. Can we just drop to humanly speaking for a moment? Understand who God is, and God was in control. Listen, can we drop, humanly speaking, what we would have been deprived of if a man by the name of Paul, who at one time abused Christians, now he gets saved, and he made up his mind he was going to commit so deeply that he would continue in spite of everything they threw at him. And I just want to say to you, we've got to shift and move quickly, but can I, can I just say this to you? Listen, you've got to get this in your mind. You and I we have to endure. We just, we just have to continue. And they're not, it's not all going to be things we enjoy. We're going to talk about that. But we're going to have to continue 
Even when we are enduring things, we don't want to endure. Now, the second thing I want to talk with you about, and, and that is that we must continue to enjoy. Now, I'm going to show you some things from the Word. But, but let, me, let me preface by saying this. <clears throat> it's been my observation that, that sometimes it's in the good times that we're least focused. Can I suggest that it might even be easier to continue in bad times? It rallies us, you know. I don't mean to be ugly, but there are churches all over the place that are, are alarmed now because the church isn't essential. Well, wait a minute. How essential has it been to you? Are we really more concerned with the First Amendment, and we should be, or are we really concerned with the house of God and our worship of God? I mean, I, mean, I, I think that sometimes in hard times, we, 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 tend to, okay, we tend to rally, man. We rally. But we ought to continue to do right when nothing is screaming we can't. Let me give you an example. He said there, in, in, in John 8, remember what Jesus said to them? He said to them, if ye continue in my word, okay? If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Well, wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute. That's a good thing. I get, to, I, get to, I get to, and I'm talking about how that applies to you and I today with a completed Bible. Guess what I get to do? I get to read the Bible every day of my life. Do I do that, though? No, wait a minute. When somebody's really sick in my family and I'm hurting, oh man, let's get in the book. Let's get this book out. Yes, this is a hard time. Let's find out what David's talking about over here in Psalms. And we, we get in the Word then. Well, wait a minute. What, what about when everything's good? Maybe on vacation. Maybe we don't read the Word on vacation. We don't continue in the world on vacation because it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty smooth then. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, so continue in the Word. Then, then in, in uh, John 15, verse 9, listen to this. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So not only we continue in His Word, Jesus said, I want you to continue in my love. Well, how do we continue in His love? You know? We'll, we'll be sitting around the house and all the grandkids are in and my kids are in. And one of the girls will be talking and they'll say, uh, my favorite ice cream is Rocky Road. And they'll be sharing stuff. And I'll say, you know what my favorite flavor is? They say, what? And I said, Susie's Lips. And they're like, Dad, good night. That is sick. And all the grandkids fall on the ground and roll around. Well, hey, I love her. Now, and, and listen to me. If she's 100 miles away and I'm 100 miles away and we never we, 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 we make no effort to be together and to spend time, I'm not continuing in her love. Do you know what that means? To continue in her love? It's when I walk up and put my arm around her. It's when I tell her she's beautiful. It's, it's, when, I, it's when I thank God for the great privilege of having her as my wife. That continues me in her love. That's that connection that's there 
that, that, that brings us together and keeps us with intimate feelings for one another. Jesus said, don't, don't lose that. No matter what happens in your life, no matter how difficult life gets, Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to continue in my love. Stay near me. Stay close to me. Speak words to me. Talk to me. Thank me. Enjoy my presence. Continue in my love. Then in Acts chapter 13, the Bible said, excuse me, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Now here's, what does that mean? I'm going to continue in the grace of God. What does that mean? You know what grace is? It's God's doing it God's way. It's, it's, how, I, how do I continue in the grace of God? It's that I don't grab the steering wheel from Him. No, I, I, can't, I can't navigate this, Lord. Here's what I'm going to do if it's okay. I'm just going to let you drive. You got me here, you'll get me there. When I don't continue, it's when I say, Lord, you got me here, but I, I think I can take it now. No, that's when I mess my life up. I want to continue in His grace. It's got me where I'm at. It'll get me where I need to be. Don't ever decide that you can chart your own course, navigate your own life. Let Jesus have it all. Continue in the grace, he said. Let let me give you another one. We're to continue in the faith, Acts 14, verse 22, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. What does that mean? It just means stay with it. Now look at me. I get so tired, you know, the other day a, a, a Christian singer came out and announced that he was denying everything he'd believed. Well, just, okay, just, just do it. If that's what you want to do, do it. First of all, it doesn't make you right. It makes you wrong. And it's just a, it's just a camera grab. People denying, let me ask you a question, why are you in this? I'm going through a hard time now, preacher. I don't know if I can believe everything I believe. Why are you blaming God for that? What did you read? Whose book did you read? Who would you listen to? You didn't get that from the Bible. So where would you get it from? You listened to somebody. The reality of the matter is, listen, we blame God for everything, and so suddenly we stand up and say, I don't even believe there's a God. Really? Wow. How would you get that much faith? <laughs> Because you believe everything just came about. That's, that's more faith than believing there's a God. So, so I'm just simply saying, he's saying, stay with the faith. You, you, you know what I want? I want my grandkids to grow up, and I want them to love Jesus, believe in Jesus. And when I'm dead and gone, I want them to say, my papa, my papa served God, my papa preached about the Lord, and I believe what my papa preached. I believe that book. Not because my papa believed it, but because it's true. Continue in the faith. You don't have to jump on every fad that rolls down the line. Colossians 1.23, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you've heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul said, stay, stay, stay. Don't grab the fads. Don't, don't, don't hook. You're wagging up to every book that comes hot off the press. Stay. It's true. It's real. 
It's changed lives. I've seen enough people saved from a life of sin that I know salvation is real. I know it's real. Rachel's niece staying in our house last night asked Jesus into her heart. She's 11 years old. And I looked down and I said, Ava, I was saved when I was 12, just a year older than you. Bobby Richardson came to Savannah. He's a baseball player. And he told me about Jesus and I got saved. What a life-changing experience. Listen to me. Just continue. Just continue. And, and then, you know, we're, we're, we're to continue in doctrine. First Timothy chapter 4, Paul wrote his son in the ministry. He said, take heed unto thyself and the doctrine. Continue in them. We ought to continue what we believe. Listen, why, why do we have to... Why do we have to be given to change. I'm not saying that all change is bad. I've been changed. You've been changed. We're going to change more. But I'm talking about the doctrines that we believe in the Word of God. Just continue in those. Just stay with it. Continue to be faithful to the Lord. And then Hebrews 13 says, let brotherly love continue. So God wants us to continue in our relationship one with another. So that love should not end if we, if we disagree, our love should continue. If we, if we have different paths to a degree, our love shouldn't, shouldn't differ, you know. God calls us to unity, not necessarily uniformity. He doesn't make us all act alike or walk alike or talk alike, but he wants us to be unified in our, in our love one for another. And then I'm going to close with this, and that's simply uh, we must continue to exist. Now, well, why would you say that, or continue to exist? Am I just going to cease being? No, I'm talking about continue to exist as God wants you to be. We have to continue, we have to, continue to exist. And I'll show you that in just a moment, but the reality of the matter is churches, churches can close their doors. Churches can die. Churches can cease to exist. We're 14-plus years into this. Don't you ever think that we have the strength in and of ourselves to just keep the ship right? We're here because we've followed God. We're here because we've loved each other. We're here because we've continued through, through good times and bad times. We're here because we stayed at it. And during this, during this thing, there have been businesses that have closed their doors. You think the business is the only thing that can close its door? There are people... There are people that have decided life isn't worth it and have taken their own life. So churches can certainly become susceptible to those things uh, as well. But, 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 but church must continue. You and I must continue and endure and, and enjoy the things that God's given us. Um, John wrote in the first letter of John chapter 2, verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been with us, or if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. John's heart was so burdened and so disturbed, he said, these people were here. They were apart, but they're gone. They didn't continue. They, they, they once were counted amongst us, but their absence is evident. I think that's the most disturbing thing in the heart of a pastor who truly loves his people.
And I've said this, I'll say it again. doesn't matter to me. It's just true. doesn't matter who agrees with or disagrees. It doesn't matter. It's true. And, th- and that is simply this. That a pastor who has a heart for his people is a part of a shepherd's heart. And you can say a thousand times, don't take it personal, but it's hard for the pastor not to. Unless he's a hireling that doesn't really care. It hurts deeply. And so uh, the reason I say that is because here's John. I, I catch a tear in his voice. They, they went out from us. If, if they had really been committed, John said they would have continued. But they went out because they really weren't plugged in to begin with. And, and you and I can't see that, but God can. If we could go, you and me, this afternoon somehow to the Isle of Crete. It's where Titus pastored. Titus was the other one besides Timothy that Paul said, he's my son. That guy right there, he's, my, he's, like, he's like my own son. He's my son in the ministry. That's, that's my guy. Paul poured his life in to Titus. And he wrote to Titus, an epistle that bears his name, the book of Titus. And there in Crete you would find the ruins of a Byzantine church that was dedicated to Titus and his ministry there on the islands for over half a century he worked. Paul had challenged him to ordain pastors in every city. That was the the cities of the island. Titus, I want you to ordain. I want you to ordain preachers all over these islands, all over this island, all over, in every city. Let's build churches. And then he said to him, "This, uh, I want you to teach them to to hold fast the faithful word that they may um, uh, that they may by sound doctrine both exhort and convince gainsayers." Titus, here's your job. <coughs> I want you to plant churches that city, that city, that city, that city, that city. Everywhere. Scatter this island. I want you to plant churches everywhere. I want you to raise up young men. I want you to train them. And I want you to teach them to stay, continue in that book. And I want you to teach them by sound doctrine to teach people the truth of God's Word. And you know what? Titus did exactly that. He ministered there for more than half a century. He trained pastors. And if you go there, there's a church built. It's the ruins now, but the Basilica of Titus is there. He was so loved. He died at 97 years old. He was so loved that they said, we're going to build a church. We're going to name it the Church of Titus because he is the one that, that, that molded and ministered faith in our islands. But that's not the real test of his ministry. That came 150 years later. There was a Roman emperor by the name of Decius who demanded sacrificial worship to himself. You will either sacrifice to me as God or you will die 
It was a government decree. And across that island of Crete, the men that Titus had trained said, we can't do that. That's not holding fast to the word. And, and, and some of these men were actually trained by men that Titus had trained. So 150 years later, you've got generational men that are coming up now that have, Titus trained and, and they trained and, and, and now you've got this group of pastors and they say, we're going to die if we don't do what the emperor said. But they said, we can't let go. We have to continue what Titus started here. And so they rounded those men up, ten of them. They took them to the outskirts of town where there's an amphitheater. They gave them a chance to recant. They would not, and so they beheaded them. And they sealed with their own blood their testimony of faith. Can I say this? The greatest monument to Titus is the blood-stained ground of an amphitheater where men who had been trained under men who had been trained under him gave their life for the truth of the gospel. It's far more meaningful than the church that bears his name. And, and, and as I studied that and read that, you know what I thought to myself, Brother Ernie? I thought, I wonder how many people 150 years after I'm gone. What about my children? What about these grandkids running around? I look at them sometimes and I pray for them. Putty sat on my lap last night and we looked at a book. And as I listened to him and watched his expressions, I prayed in my heart, God, please let this kid grow up. And continue. What about this church? Now, I'm going to say something shocking, but I want you to hang on. I'm not going to be here 150 years from now. Okay? I know that's hard for you to believe. Riding a motorcycle has extended my life by relaxing. No, where are we going to be 150 years from now? Will there be a South Valley Baptist Church in Idaho 150 years from now? If there is, it'll be here for one reason and one reason only. And that is that we continue and that those that come behind us continue and that those that they train continue. Such an important word. Let's pray. Could we do that? Piano's playing in just a moment. I, I don't know where you're at. I, you, you know, some, some things happen in life, they discourage you. you. You just wonder, is it worth it? I did my best, and, and look where it got me. Well, continue. I loved people, and they betrayed me. Well, just continue. You know, I, I, th I, thought I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And yet, look what, look what it's produced. It may be your own children that have hurt your heart. 
don't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you the first thing you have to do. You have to continue. Because if you don't continue, nothing, nothing gets done. South Valley Baptist Church, we, we've got we've to we've continue. This is God's church. The valley that needs love and needs truth. Just continue. Be what God wants us to be. If you're here today and you don't know Christ is your Savior, you can't continue until you start. We'll be glad to take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're saved. pray right there in your seat. I'm going to pray and ask God to give us the sustaining grace to just continue. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy and your goodness today. We do, as the song said earlier, we do bow the knee. God, we know if there's ever been a time when Satan would stop us, when he would get us to just step out of the race and become a spectator. We still look good, we act good, everything looks fine, but we're, we're no longer doing and being the people that you want us to be. Oh, dear God, would you burn that word deep within us that we would just simply continue. And we'll thank you for all that you do. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray these things. Amen.